Today's episode is brought to you by Gray Block Pizza. I want to say this, when I travel, I wear like some uh, sweatpants and sometimes they're not that, they're not typical sweatpants, they're more of like kind of a swaggy, kind of, you know, bulky, kind of sensual, coutured, kind of, you know, a body bag for each one of my legs, if you will. And those are made by Layered. Uh, Layered is uh, 100% organic cotton. They're made in America with American fabric. They're classic style, modern fit, and they're direct to consumer, no middleman. So if you know, sometimes you look outside of a building, you see somebody out there loitering around, and they might be selling jewelry or something. That ain't layered. No middleman, no loitering. It's direct to consumer. They pass the savings on to their customers. And I'll be honest, when I'm traveling, I'm on the go, I love layered. It just makes me feel it's on me, but it's not on me. It's not bugging me. I don't like my clothes to feel like they gripping up on me, like I used to, like they acting like we used to know each other better and stuff, and they trying to get at me. So go to Layer USA and use code Theo, T-H-E-O, at checkout for 10% off. That's promo code Theo at checkout for 10% off. We are grateful to have support, and today's episode is brought to you by Acteon gym, beach, and travel equipment. Acteon towels, they are ultra compact and made with premium microfiber material. They absorb three times their own weight. So you might have this hitter right here and look, you roll that bad boy out. Next thing you know, you hide and go seek or whatever you want. You have a beach towel. You have a place where you can eat on. If you've been hiking, you can set this out and get the job done right there on the edge of a mountain if you need to conceive a child or slice up a little cut of ham or anything you want. They absorb three times their weight in liquid, more than three times smaller, and they dry three times faster than bulky cotton towels. Each towel is treated with silver ions to prevent the growth of bacteria. So you ain't got to worry about seeing this thing later and have it have a little bit of molded up or a little bit of Mother Nature's boogers in it. You feel me? They come in two sizes, full-size beach towel and gym towel. That is Acteon, gym, beach, and travel equipment. You can go to getacteon, G-E-T-A-C-T-E-O-N.com right now and use code Theo50. That's T-H-E-O-5-0 at checkout for 50% off all towels, plus free shipping on U.S. orders at getacteon, G-E-T-A-C-T-E-O-N dot com. Use code Theo, T-H-E-O-5-0 for 50% off. What's up, guys? Um, before I say today's guest, I want to let you know I'll be performing coming up in uh, Charlotte, uh, Washington, D.C., Salt Lake City, um, Toronto, hold just hold a beat on, on getting the Toronto tickets. We're figuring that out if you already have them. Um, you know, just not sure yet if that's going to be coming to fruition. And uh, where else? Appleton, Wisconsin, uh, and Buffalo, New York are other places that I will be coming to. Uh, today's guest is, uh, it's, he's just one of a kind. You know, he's like a, t- it's like, it's like the, it's like, it's like all of mankind got just, 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 put into one person and uh he's like an oracle to the great beyond and and to the great ahead and uh and he's one of the sweetest guys that i know and one of the absolute funniest get you out of your seat straight up savages uh joey coco diaz is here with us today
I want to know about that, bro. That looked like the one thing I definitely wanted to be in. Next time you come with us. I'd love to. You're going to come with us. Dude, I would love to go. What a blast. Because, so you guys had the pass, I know, so you guys at least got to skip some of the line. Oh, right through, like doctors. Because you guys must have had a million people trying to holler at you. Was there a lot of people? Oh, my God. It was crazy. It was great. It was great, though. You know, you don't know. We'll save it for the podcast. You don't really know how good Disneyland is till you get there because we're all cheap. Yeah. And we're like, $149. i am not going down there for $149. Then when you sit on a ride, you go, I get it. Yeah. I'm safe. Did Eddie have children with him or no? Yeah, he had his son with him. Oh, he did? Yeah. His son and my daughter love each other. Really? Yeah, they love each other. <laughs> They love each other. Last one, we all go to the same restaurant on Wednesdays because kids eat free. Yeah. And my daughter loves the spaghetti there. Yeah. The pasta restaurant. It's the worst shit I've ever eaten in my <laughs> life. But they like it. And last week we went and that's who was there. With yeah. Draco. And we all hung out and the mom and, you know, it's it's a different world, man. That's crazy, man. And the kids, are, so does your daughter know about the podcast or anything? She doesn't know about that. Like, what does she kind of look at it as? What the fuck she knows? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck she knows. You know, she knows I got an office. Yeah. She goes over there. She sees the microphones. I got to hide the bongs and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'll tell me she wants to go to your office, Daddy, and clean it. So I'll let her come over and wipe it down and have take fun. the garbage out and give her, like, $5. Yeah. Just to, <laughs> you know. And she just lost a tooth, you said, on the way in. You say your daughter just lost a tooth, That's huh? fucking mind-boggling emotional. Is it? For me, it was. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm from a different fucking world, bro. Yeah. Oh, I remember selling my teeth to some kid that came through town. Yeah, no, you didn't. Just on the street, yeah. Your baby teeth? Um, I don't know if they were baby or not. Someone might have been adult. But my mouth kept making them, bro. I needed them, you know? My mouth was just producing fucking, this was like a silver mine, you know? Or like something, you know? Like, my mouth was like, do whatever we got to do to sell something. I'll fucking make as much enamel as you need. That's crazy. I used to fucking be petrified of the dentist. So I didn't go to the dentist for like 20 years. So I was just doing nah. my own dental work. Nah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I get a bottle of Jack, get some Coke and oh shit, and get fucked up, get a wrench. <laughs> and I'd go to work, dog. And just get in there. Oh, yeah. I pulled out like the, all these are all fake. Yeah. I pulled out like really? three of those motherfuckers. Fuck yeah. Wow. And then the day I did go to the doctor, I went to this Kevin named Kevin Sessa, DDS. Mm hmm. And bold, that's the day I kidnapped the motherfucker. The same mm. day I got the teeth, I got my fillings done that morning. Oh, I could see that, dude. Dental work will make you want to fucking kill you, you know. You know, and my attorney kept saying you should use that in the defense, you know. And I'm like, nah, because I did want to kidnap this dude way you did. before the dental yeah. worked. You know what I'm saying? Way before I went to the dentist, I was yeah. gonna rob this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Me going to the dentist <laughs> had nothing to do with it. Had nothing to do with it. He was going down whether I went to the dentist or not. But that's the beauty of these days. Like, you could do anything, man. You could go to the dentist first, and then you're like, yeah, I was high on some kind of you gas or I helium. I didn't know that. I, I, bro, you know what? I could have made the excuse up. I just didn't want to. I wanted to end it. Yeah. I wanted to end it at that age. Like, I wanted all this just to end and to start over. I knew I'd fucked up. Yeah, did you, you have know? a lot of, like, amends to make when you went through? Like, when you kind of started to kind of, when you kind of got out of that sort of lifestyle? Oh, I still make amends. Really? Like, I still think of shit, and I go, you know what? I should call that person, and I should write that letter. Like, I was just talking about my back. Like, I got a big beef with my ex-wife, you know? I have a 27-year-old I don't talk to. Oh, it's wow. Me and my wife just, just you know, in life, you, you, we make a few good fucking decisions, you know? And 
me getting married, I, w I was young. I wasn't really in love. I was a fucking criminal, you know. So what made you get married then? Like, what was the thing that you kind of, that honestly, when you think kind of, because look, I'm in that, I'm in the, some of those situations. Like, I, you know, I worry about moving forward, but knowing that I'm not ready sometimes in certain environments, you know? Well, well you're never fucking ready. I mean, you're never ready for dick. Right. There's no handbook on marriage. There's no handbook on friendship. There's no handbook on life. There's no handbook on anything. You know, I remember... A kid years ago, there was a phone guy at the store. And one day, the fucking uh, the talent coordinator got fired. They just made him the talent coordinator. Wow. He didn't know nothing about nothing. Yeah. <laughs> he got fired six months later, but you just have to be ready. There's times that in life that I can't train you for what's going to happen. Right. And that's, if you think about your life, I mean, how old are you now? I'm 38. Think about your life. That's think most of your life. Think about where you've been. Nobody could train you for what... Uh, you either fall apart, have a nervous breakdown, go see a psychiatrist, or fucking live your life. Yeah. Live your fucking life because it's 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 uh, very man. It's so true, man. It's so you have no idea how much exact. I mean, this is literally. I'm going to a therapist today at seven, and it's like, you know, some things that's just like I'm just sometimes I'm just afraid to like maybe admit what the truth is to myself and instead i'll get stuck in some of these like therapy situations because sometimes i feel like i know what the truth is but it's hard to, sometimes it's hard to know if your instincts are reliable does that make any sense like if you get an instinct if it's if it's legit or not or if it's fear or if it's i had a friend i have a friend that's the kiss of death i love him with all my heart but every decision he makes is a bad decision mm. And I was thinking about it about a month ago, and I was thinking about when I was in the same position. That at one time in my life, everything I did was a bad decision. I mean, I was the kiss of death. Yeah. When I got out of prison, everything I did, getting married, everything I did. So I, I consciously made a fucking decision to think about every decision and not to do the first thing that came to my mind. Wow. It's like I had to actually do that. Right. Like, that's a bad idea. Like I would be negative. To be positive. Right. Because I was doing everything wrong. Wrong. So before I do that, I'm going to fucking throw hot water on it and do the other thing. And I started. Changing your. Because you have to come to terms with yourself and go, this ain't working. Yeah, sometimes you got to realize that yeah, just naturally you're not going to make the best. This maybe your instinct working. isn't the best of decision maker. Yeah. And, bro, mm, you know, yeah, this morning I woke up and I saw something about uh, the, the Nerdist. Mm -hmm. He got exonerated on NBC. And all this stuff. I, you know, I don't know who his accuser is or whatever. It got nothing to do with it. The Chris Hardwick guy. Yeah, Chris yeah. Hardwick. But I was very happy. I've met Chris a couple of times. Mm -hmm. and, you know, he is what he is. He's a sweetheart of a guy. But you can't, we can't keep, this country was built on laws. Yeah. That you have to be judged by your peers. And But we're getting judged by the internet now. Yeah. And that's not fair. That's not right. That's not what this was whole thing was about. Mm -mm. This is about, you say something, I, I, I did that, all right, give me the camera, give me the footage, let's go. But yeah. I can't base everything on your fucking word. That's why I don't go to therapy. Right. I use my podcast as therapy. I beat you to the punch. I'm going to get it out there before you could even get it out there. I'll mm. tell you the fucking story. You want to know the story? I'll tell you. I don't give a fuck. It was 30 years ago. What are you going to do, arrest me? Yeah. Beat me up? <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do? At this point, there's not much you could do. Yeah. I have, I do something positive in a mental type of way once a month. Yeah. Well, you do, do a lot of stuff. I do something. Like, I just reached out 
before the Netflix special, which you came out to, mm -hmm. thank you very much. Yeah, it was great, dude. You looked out, awesome out there. I reached out to somebody who did me a solid when I was 16 years mm. old, and I didn't know the amount of the solid that it was, so I shit on the solid. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And I live with that every day. And we kind of talk, but I can see it in his face. Listen, he has no reason to talk to me. He really doesn't. Right. I caused havoc in his house. I caused havoc in his life. And I wrote him this long thing, and I just said, listen, if there's anything I could do to come over to your house and talk to your family, just to, nobody wants to die with this shit on there. It's, it's, it's not such a big deal. Right. It was a big deal then. Today, it's not such a big deal. We all lived. We all survived. I haven't heard back from him. You right. Know? Is it hard sometimes, like, for people, like, do you find it, because... What do you think is one of the things that like stops us from, sometimes from being the bigger man? Because sometimes like, you know, like I want to be angry instead of be grateful, you know, or I want to be, you know, I don't want to reach out to some, you know, like I still want to hold that grudge. Like when you have those kind of moments, like how do you kind of get through some of that, you know, instead of being like, well, fuck, I could still hold a grudge against this person, but I'm going to do this instead. You know, TJ English, he did the podcast with me and Rogan and he said in his 30, 40 years experience dealing with Cuban people were always very vindictive mm. you know the, the the book he wrote about that guy was about a godfather you know about a crime godfather mm -hmm. but the guy used to kill people himself like that's unheard of like when episode eight of the sopranos they were thinking of canceling the sopranos i think after episode seven they really hbo did not want tony killing somebody yeah because a mob boss always sends an underling mm. but but uh Chase wanted to make this point, so he had Tony kill him. With this guy battle, you know, I'm very vindictive. I will get you. Yeah. I will get you. <laughs> I will lay down like a fucking dog, and I'll wait years. I've done it to people already. You know what I'm saying? I've done it to motherfuckers already. Well, I'll sit in the bush for years, you know? That's a horrible way to live, though. Yeah. That's a hard. I'm the king of it. Because you can do it. Because that shit's stirring in you yeah, all the time. It's, I it's do running it. in the background like an open window on the internet. Like it's just sitting there, running. Like there's somebody right now yeah. that's in Burbank. Yeah. <laughs> that I want to go over there and throw them out a fucking window every morning when I wake up. And the only thing that stops me is my family, my daughter, what I'm doing right now because he's a piece of shit. Guy, yeah. You know, and he's been a piece of shit to a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of comedians. And I knew it when I, but guess why I don't throw him out the window? Mm. Because I did business with him and I knew it going in that he was a piece of shit. Wow. So shame on me. Right. I got, I got caught up in the smoke of the situation. Now I have to pay for my sins. But I'll get that motherfucker eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give him a flat. I'll put sugar in his gas tank. Something along the line. I'll yeah. do fucking something. I'll put saran wrap in his gas tank. Yeah. And he'll stall every 30 miles in the 405. <laughs> you know, I'm the king of that shit. Oh, uh, that would be worse. I don't want to live there. Yeah. I don't want to be there. You know, like I said, two weeks ago, I wrote a letter to my ex-wife. Mm -hmm. Like, and I said all the things I did wrong. Yeah. And I took the letter and I lit it on fire. Wow. Because I don't want nobody getting that letter. I don't want to go to jail. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> <laughs> and does she know all these things? Did you send it to no, her No, 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 no. I just wanted to know. You wanted to know. I just wanted to know where I fucked up and how I was aware of what I had done, you know? So Man, I'm afraid. It's so crazy hearing you say some of that because sometimes it's like, if I, if, yeah, the real, the truth sometimes, it's like I'm afraid. I'd be probably afraid to even fucking read it all to myself, you know? Oh, when I read it, when you read something, like when I write a story about me robbing somebody, like in my little iPad, and I'm writing, and I giggle, and then I read it, 
reading it fucks my world up. Yeah. Like reading it fucks my world up for an hour or two. Because it changes the perspective of it. It changes kinda? the perspective. What you're thinking and what you're reading is two different things. It hits a little harder when I said I, I jumped through his window and all that shit. You know, it seems a little a little bit rougher. But I I don't know. It's been great. I've been trying to, you know, ever since I have the family, I just want to shed some of this fucking snakeskin. Yeah. You know, that's why I don't like any of these accusations from people lately. You can't, I can't come back to Cleo and said that when we were going to University of fucking Texas one night, you touched my tit. I can't say that now. Yeah, that's crazy. I can't do that now, 20 years later. That's not right to you. It's not right. It's not right to me. Let me call Cleo and go, hey, Cleo, man, a couple of years ago, I felt a little threatened by you in that room. We were doing blow, and you asked me to show me your monkey. Yeah. You know, what the <laughs> fuck were you doing blow with me for? You know the deal. Yeah. You do a line of coke, you're sucking something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what I'm saying you're bro. sucking something. You're a pacifier. Fucking, you're going to fix the finger. faucet. Yeah. You're going to fix the faucet like with your mouth. And the reason why I don't like that is because I know I've changed. Right. That's the thing. I know I've changed the person. I know I don't see the shit I used to see. Yeah. And when I see it now, if you know, if I was, I would go into buildings like this. When I was 21, I'd put a suit on, dog. Mm-hmm. And I'd walk past reception and I'd walk into a business, a business <laughs> like this. And I'd pick the third floor and I'd just go from door to door looking for Tony Smith. Wow. Tony Smith here. No, there's no Tony here. What, what, what room were you looking for? I thought it was 303. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Maybe check the fourth floor. You know how many times I'd open up a door and there'd be a purse? Sitting there, or your wallet, you, and you went to the bathroom and let your wallet on yeah. the table, and I would just take a wallet to be five hundred bucks in it, and I'd walk out the building, and I was good for the day. Yeah, I did that for years. I would walk into a building and just knock on doors like I'm looking for Theo. Theo, dude, we we used to do that too. We used to go through the neighborhood at night and we'd steal everybody's fucking car radios, right? But then here was why I did it, dude. At first, you know, we did it because we wanted a radio for our own car, but you only can put, like, one radio in your own car. So then I got, I'd have a back seat with, like, nine radios in it, you know, all these fucking radios sitting there. But then here's why I started to do it. Because then I would see people drive down the street and be furious that they didn't have any music. So then that would fucking make me laugh so hard, bro. <laughs> Just see somebody driving. And this one dude started singing his own songs every day, bro. And I fucking... He had no radio? Oh, dude, this it's dude. crazy I never got into robbing cars or oh, car stereos. I love watching I had a him. buddy who used to rob car stereos. But at one point, cars started putting a device in it that if you stole the stereo, it wouldn't work in another car. I think especially Subaru had the technology. <laughs> oh, yeah, Subaru. But I'll tell you what, bro. When I first started working for Subaru, it was 1986. <laughs> and I was really? In, I was living in Boulder, and I was a detailer. But I became friends with the manager. His name was Peter Pinto, real street guy. Yeah, and one day he's like, why do you wash cars? You're like one of the best salesmen. Just talking <laughs> to you, I can buy shit from you. And he goes, just come over on a Monday and see if you like it. And I came over on a Monday and sold three cars and made a wow. thousand bucks. At that time, I used to work 60 hours a week for like... Washing. I think it was eight sixty a month they would pay me. I'd get, and you made it in a day. I'd make it in a day selling cars. And I went, I borrowed 500 from my girlfriend's mother, and I went and bought, you know, three jackets, three pair of pants, a pair of shoes, a belt. And I went and fucking knocked them fucking dead. But I thought I was making like seven to 10 grand a month. Mm, That's my first three months in 1987, going to school, seven grand a month. Subaru selling 10 cars a month. You could have been the You got a check from them, you got a check from Subaru. But the lot man drove like a fucking. 
like an expensive BMW. And I'm like, how can a fucking lot man sell, you know, have a BMW? I mean, what can a lot man make, you know? The year went by. I stayed a loyal employee. You know, I got into a few arguments there. I threatened to fucking <laughs> break the car with an axe window if they didn't pay me and shit like that. <laughs> but the cops came in one day. This was a crazy place where I worked. It was called Crouch Subaru. Yeah. Krauts, and that's German, huh? Crouch. They have they Crouch, own, huh? Right, today well, you they know own, you're going to get fucking robbed if somebody's C-R-O-U-C-H. They own an Acura store today, yeah. a couple of Acura stores, but in those days, that Subaru store was a fucking a comedy. Like, it was a comedy. And they didn't even have a lot of Subarus. Did people even know what that was then? Yeah, no, in Colorado, Subarus it, it was came. number one car. It's number one car. It's, it used to be Burt Subaru, with the number one Subaru dealer in the world. Wow. They did 500 new Subarus a fucking month or something. And then we were like number eight in the district. But one day the cops came and they arrested this fucking lock guy because yeah. he was running a scam at the gym. Mm. But what we also didn't know was that after you sold a car, he would talk to you for five minutes about your car and he would upsell you. Oh, he's selling shit on the side. So socks. this motherfucker was taking the stereos out of the GL10 sedans, the mm -hmm. top. And putting it in your shitty car. Wow. So all these people paying twenty grand for these high end cars and the radio. It's so, like an AM radio. Oh. And bro, he did it to every fight. like when he got arrested, he had been doing this for years. Like people were buying Made cars a ton of money. Ton of money. He was selling rims, tires. Then the cops came <laughs> in again one day and surrounded the building. Because we had a salesman that used to rob banks at lunchtime. Oh wow. His name was Carlos Valverde. I'll what a never great idea. this guy. And he, would, he had nine kids, nine fucking kids he had Damn. with the same wife. He had been married like 30 fucking years. He was Robbing like 20, that pussy as well, He was well, married apparently. 30 years. He was like 22. He was Spanish. <laughs> Carlos yeah. Valverde. I'll That's as forget, Spanish as can be, dude. Never forget this guy. And one day the fucking cops came and surrounded the building. He was fucking robbing banks at his lunchtime. Him and four other guys would wow. fucking get car. I mean, it was fucking crazy. Then I got in trouble there. Like it was, This car dealership was a professional thievery like the people everybody who worked there was stealing from there everybody. was a guy in there that robbed that's a banks. great sitcom everybody's stealing from oh my everybody God. there was a guy in there that was in probation because he robbed banks mm -hmm. and, and and he was he just got out of jail doing 20 years for robbing banks the manager was a biker that would work six months of the year yeah like cut his hair and shave and he was a great salesman mm -hmm. then the other half of the year he was a biker mm. didn't do no drugs he hated drugs and he hated the smell of vinegar. Wow. So when I didn't want him there, I would come in and I'd buy a bottle of white vinegar and I'd take a cap and put it in the corner of his office wow. and spill it. And he'd be in the office within minutes. He'd be like, I smell vinegar. And he'd fucking leave. <laughs> I used to get Coke bindles and tie like uh, uh, fish wire to him. Mm -hmm. And I'd throw him on the floor by him. And I'd roll him <laughs> from my seat and he'd be fucking trying to step on it. <laughs> I had a great time. That sounds that. so much fun, But man. it's so funny because what I learned that year, I still do today. Right. Like all the things I learned about selling cars and how you should be a salesman, like I still use those principles today. Mm. Like they, they kept me alive in the comedy game. Yeah. Like, you know, so it's kind of. When you're, um, so you. You said that your daughter lost a tooth. Like, what's that kind of like? So, like, what is, like, is it hard to go from, like, you know, being, like, 
is it hard to switch into like a dad mode? Like, did you ever worry that it would be hard to switch into like a dad mode, or is it just kind of naturally happen? Because I, you know, like sometimes, you know, especially as a comedian, as kind of like the center of attention, you know, sometimes whether we want to be or not, you know, and then like have your daughter be the center of attention. Is that different? Like, is it is like a is it unique or anything? What's that like? I've had like five lives, man. Yeah. So like. I leave here now, I go over the hill, I pick her up at a quarter to four from camp, and I take her to <laughs> Muay Thai. And then I got a half hour in between Muay Thai and swimming. Yeah. And then I sit there for a fucking hour and sit with her. And then from there, we go to dinner tonight, because it's Wednesday night. So it's spaghetti night. So it's spaghetti night. It's. Uh, and does she, like, if she's in the pool, you know, you're just watching her, she just, it's like all the dad stuff. Yeah. You know, and I'm very fortunate because a lot of the people on the pool are moms. Right. I could go with my wife. Oh, nice. You know, the way I look at it, I got a second chance of being a dad. Wow. I fucked up the first time, so now I do it to the T. I'm the type of guy, if you give me a second chance or something, that's it. Whatever the past was, was the past. Next time, I'll do it to the fucking letter. Yeah. And it's all that's going on right now in my life is very important. Like every aspect of it. The balance I have you is show up. important. You gotta show up every day. Fuck about, I give a fuck about my family. Yeah. We gotta feed our family, we gotta eat, and we gotta act like a family. If not, we're gonna we're gonna end up like an LA family. Yeah. Divorced and I got a sixteen year old wife and I don't want that. I did that already. Yeah. I did that already. I want a family. I wanna go home at night. So I enjoy my comedic life. Mm hmm. I love my podcast life. Yeah. You know, I love going to the store and bumping into you guys. And I know, it's so pussy. much fun. Last night was so much oh fun in the God. parking lot. And sticking your fingers up somebody's ass. And you, <laughs> you're talking about this. And then I went and got pizza at Joe's. And I brought a Sicilian slice for Lee <laughs> and his buddy. And they waited for me by their open mic. Oh, that's So we cool. sat in the parking lot till 1230 <laughs> eating pizza talking shit and people were pulling them going joey what's happening <laughs> and we're talking about black dick and fucking how that i i'm, I'm, I'm it's funny because i'm going yeah the chick she liked black dick <laughs> she, she liked the banana mist around the dick and as that a black guy pulls up and going it's funny you're here i was just talking about black people he came over we started telling him about banana dicks i mean we were there till about 12 30 just talking and then i go home and i wash my hands i pee you know Check on the kid. And then I walk in her room, tiptoe. Yeah. And I turn the turtle off. That's doing like this psychedelic show. <laughs> oh, dude, it's crazy to put and kids the, through something yeah, like that. So now I turn this other thing off. <laughs> and then I give her a kiss. And yeah. I say, you know, God bless you. And and then I walk to my office and there I am smoking dope. Yeah. Two minutes later. <laughs> and then, you know, so it's like I have nine lives yeah. in between. And they're one. all going on at once. You know, I really respect that fathership shit. Like, I don't get high. Like... Like, if I get high before, like, swimming or something, I do Listerine, I change my shirt, I put Visine in right. my eyes. You show know? up like at least a pro. Yeah, I show up like a pro. I don't show up like fucking, you yeah. know, looking like Cheech and You're Chavis not having your kid, daughter hold the roach in her, in her no, swim bag. No. Yeah. In fact, yesterday morning I got up because she went to pre-care first, right? She went to, at two, she went to, like, pre-care. Mm -hmm. And I was against it. But when my wife took me and I saw the kids, I go, what, what, what are we going to do? Keep her in the house all night? Right, because it's fun that you do art and stuff like that, and they get yeah, to interact yeah, with other you kids. Interact with other kids. That's a huge. That's the biggest thing. Got to interact with other fucking kids. Yeah, that's 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 the big thing. That when I came from Cuba, I had a big problem. I didn't speak the language, bro. Yeah, I didn't speak the language, and then my father died. So I was like Vito when he came oh, from Italy. Yeah. You ever see the Godfather too? Mm -hmm. When Vito came, he was like a half a fucking retard. 
he was like singing songs in the, at the INS. He was like singing. Yeah, he's like one of those guys going through my neighborhood yeah, with no radio. Yeah, with no radio. Yeah. And that was me. I was damaged goods. I was damaged goods. But my mom had me in an adult world because right. she didn't believe in daycare. So here I am with her at the track. I'm at the bar with her that she owned. Yeah. I'm at You're the at the laundromat. You're learning about everything. That didn't, do, that didn't do me no favors. Right. Yeah, it showed me the world, but it also slowed me back. It took me years to... It took to your childhood to away. Probably took a lot of your childhood I away. I was a ch single child. Yeah. So that don't help either. So you don't learn how to chair. You don't learn how to do... You get jealousy issues if a kid is around your mom. So I had to learn to deal with all that. With me, I wanted her... Listen, man. Let's fucking be honest. As men. Let's be fucking honest. You know? Your mom was hot? No. My mom was a fucking dirty whore. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I don't uh, know what we're being honest about. My mom was okay. She's no, about a no, seven no. or eight. Let's be as honest as we can, you know? A woman has to fight hard in this world. Oh, yeah. Okay? It's just the way it is, ladies. I'm not here to uh, tell you why or how. It's the way it's always been. It's a hard, it's a tough the, time. The odds are against a woman from day one. I'm trying to shorten those odds. If I could get her from nine to one odds to seven to three, yeah. I did my job as a dad. Amen. I and love that's that. filling in those voids. See, I thought being a dad was buying your kid a $22,000 car. No. At 25, when I had my kid, I thought that that's what having a child was. Having a child is when, dog, my phone's ringing. I don't give a fuck that it's ringing. And I'm on the floor with her drawing crayons every night. Yeah. Like every night, her and I sit together and we get crayons and she yells at me, why don't you use markers? I'm like, because I'm fucking old school. I like crayons, bitch. You know what I'm saying? I'm a crayon type yeah. of motherfucker. And while I'm doing that crayon, I'm thinking about my life. I'm looking at her, and I'm thinking about the shit I didn't do as a kid. But that's every You get night that second chance. When I get home, we eat dinner. She says her prayers. Even though I'm talking about eating assholes all day and yeah. fucking that fucking Polish fuck and all this shit that comes out of my mouth. Then at 6 o'clock, I'm this guy that says prayers at the table. Yeah. And Mercy, take your elbows off the table. And I talk to her in Spanish. And, oh, I like you know, that. So if I say, oye, que está pasando, I'll say it. How was school today? Mm. So whatever I say to her in English, she I gets say to her double in Spanish. Up. And even if she don't understand, she'll understand me as she gets She older. gets it. Yeah, she what are some things that she does that you notice is like you inside of her? That must be kind of cool, huh? To see like a, something, like a moment in your kid when they like, maybe they laugh a certain way or they look a certain way or they do something. Like, you know, when you see like you in, the, it's like. You know what I'm talking about, Kyle? Yeah, no, there's a couple things I see already. I see that she likes her alone time. Yeah. There's times we walk in from doing something, and she's like, later. And there's times I go in her room, and, and she'll, like, tell me. she'll tell me the truth. She's like, Daddy, I want to be alone right now. Uh, and I'll, I'll hurt my feelings, but then I'll go, I'm the same fucking way. Why would I be hurt? I, I don't like her temper. Yeah. Sometimes she goes off on my wife. And I got to sit it down, and she gets red. I see that Cuban blood oh, going. Oh, wow, yeah. So that Cuban blood is good, but it's bad in yeah. some situations. So I want to hone it. Yeah, it's more of a soup. So I brought her into jiu-jitsu about two months ago. Mm -hmm. And she fell in love with the dude, because my daughter's going to be a little dirty whore. I, mean, I love her to death, <laughs> but she loves men. And I wanted that. Yeah. I'd want it. Like, I bring her around guys, so she's never scared. She's never intimidated. Oh, I like that. My mother was a bookmaker. So she worked with men. And mm. I used to admire how my mother walked into a room and the respect she got from men. Wow. It wasn't a respect that she got 
because she had big tits and because she, she laid the law down in that room. Yeah. I came from a very interesting background that I didn't know. When my mother was 16, her and her sister went to a dance in Cuba. Mm-hmm. And my sister, my, my mother couldn't find her sister. So she went outside and some guy was raping her. Mm. And my mother broke a bottle and cut the guy, stabbed him from one side of his back to the other. He died. So wow. they had to get my mother out of Cuba into the States. So my mom went to like Car- Caracal first. Curacao, yeah. Curacao first. Yeah, we have a military base there, a yeah, huge military base. Huge, and then she went to the States. And then she went back to Cuba with a fake identity and everything disappeared. Wow. So I look at my daughter and I think about me and I know that that's in my blood. It's in there. That, that that's a possibility. My, yeah. my, my mom had to think quick. I never knew the story until she died. Wow, she was fearless. I never knew the story. I saw her in action. In fact, yesterday I was Man, right. Man, she must have been a strong woman, so, huh? Yesterday I was right in the fucking thing. Because mm-hmm. I usually, like, when you go write jokes, sometimes you can't write jokes. So I'm just sitting there licking a pen. Mm-hmm. I'll fucking just write a story. Yeah. You know, like, let's write it. And I wrote a story about me and karate and how I got into karate. I got into karate because I played hooky and I got hit in the head with a lunchbox and I got stitches and I told my mother... And the next day, she walked me to a black karate school, all black. Black people doing karate? Oh, yeah. No 1969, way. 68, New York City. How's that not a documentary? As a matter of fact, you know Laranja Orange, the guy that acts Brazilian, that hangs out with all these guys, is Eddie's black belt? Oh, wait, wait. Is it uh, not Shay or what's that guy's name? He used to do hand, uh He does the Brazilian accent. His father was my first karate teacher. Eve, not Eve. Mr. I'm thinking Orange. of Eve. You know what I'm talking about? That guy Eve that comes down sometimes. He's like friends with Tate Fletcher and those guys. No, it's no, not no. him and Mickey Gall. He comes with those yeah, guys. No, 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 not him. No, this guy's one of Eddie's black belts. Wow, he has a show, the Laranjo Naranjo. He's a black dude, but he makes believe he's Brazilian. <laughs> a capoeira boy, yeah, huh? Yeah, he insults everybody. <laughs> his father was my first black belt. And his father would walk around with a fucking wooden sword and hit you. There was no giggling allowed. That's crazy. And I remember I got kicked in the stomach one time and got the wind knocked out of me. Uh And I'm like, I'm not going back. And my mom grabbed me. She goes, you don't go back in there. I'm going to kick you in the stomach 50 fucking times. (laughs) So get back in there. That's no big deal. You got kicked one time. He would make you run on the streets with your gi on barefoot mm. in 1968 so you'd be running past all your friends and then the yeah. next day you go to school and your friends like hey karate man yeah come on show us some karate and shit so then you'd be put on the spot kind of you kind of had to respect spot. your art it was you had to show your crazy. art to your friends and you had to then then you decide for yourself do i respect my art am i going to show it or what am i going to do in this moment that's why i love the martial arts so much because at that time i was so fucked up but they mm-hmm. brought me into something and I used to get bullied by this kid, Rudy the Haitian. Mm-hmm. He was a Haitian kid. Yeah, Haitians block. can be wild, man. It's risky. It's 50-50 shot every time with a Haitian. <laughs> and this is the 60s in New York. I don't even know what a Haitian is. Yeah. But the whole neighborhood called him Rudy the Haitian. And he was about my age. And he would beat me up like once a month or whatever. And one day I got the karate down. I lit this motherfucker <laughs> up, Jack. I lit him up with kicks. Some fucking double dragon, Oh, yeah. Huh? I got him with like 20 kicks to the stomach and shit. And then the next time I fought him, his father came downstairs and grabbed my arms and mm-hmm. pinned me and let him hit me. And then his father took me upstairs. It was a cheat code. And my mother would wake up in the mornings, take me to school, but my mom would have a bar, so mm-hmm. she, she wouldn't go to bed till 4 in the morning. So she would do all this shit and then come home and take an afternoon nap. And this one particular day, he came upstairs, knocked on my mom's door, which, big mistake. Yeah. My mom opened the door like, what's going on? And he's like, the next time your son hits my son, I'm going to hit him and I'm going to hit you. And my mom got a fucking kitchen knife 
and chased them up the stairs. I was like a little, I was like five. Damn. I was like crying. Mom's going to get there. And also my mom came down holding a knife. Said that motherfucker will never fuck with you again. And we went inside. But the lady next door had seen everything that went down in the apartment. Everybody, in the, everybody on yeah. the floor. But it was the 70s. There was no camera. And Americans shut their fucking mouth. There was right. no rats. You were not allowed to talk to the police. You were raised not to talk to the police. Yeah. And I'll never forget, like 10 minutes later, the cops knocked on the door. And they had my mom in the hallway. They turned her around. They were about to arrest her. He kept saying that my mother had a knife. And the little old lady came out with a... With fucking, uh, what do you call those things? Knitting, like, probably knitting a cross or something, yeah. Rosary beads. Oh, yeah. And she goes, I saw the whole thing. She didn't have a knife. And that she was, was it. She had a spoon. She was stirring coffee. Isn't that right? And my mom goes, yeah, see, in Spanish. And the cops were like, all right, let it go. And my mom was telling Rudy's father in Spanish that Juan Matali, we're puta, all this shit. And a week later, Rudy's family moved from the building. Mm. We never saw the Haitians again. Wow. That's, now, with your mom being so tough, was it like, t- did, was it tough to feel like affection from her? Because sometimes, like, my mom's a hard worker, right? My mom delivered, you know, she's a delivery woman, you know, she delivered newspapers when I was a kid. She delivers magazines now. Um, she's always had a fucking van, you know. Now she's got my, her husband, he has Alzheimer's. She don't even know he's in the van. He's with her every day, just fucking <laughs> bouncing around in the fucking passenger seat. She had to get a fucking second seatbelt installed for him because he fucking went kind of slip. He's getting little. He would slip out of the fucking first one. And now she's got him just basically in a fucking straight jacket, just bouncing around. He has no clue where he is. How just is delivering he? fucking news on wheels every day, you know? So you, I think he's about 90, you know? Your mom still does this? <clears throat> mom still does it, dude. And here's the worst part, bro. She got a good deal on this van, right? My mom likes a good deal in... She got a good deal on this van. Has no wind, none of the side or back windows, bro. So her fucking GPS is the Lord, bro. So she just fucking bouncing around. He's got him in the thing, but she's out there delivering all these things, man. And move. she just she won't not work, you know. Like I could tell her, like, look, you know, I, you know, I give her some money every month, um, every month, but she wouldn't have anything else to do. You know, it's like her identity. But then for me, it was hard to like. For me, that kind of mom was hard to connect with, you know, because. That she just had, you know, she, for me, I, I looked at my mom as like the mom and the dad. I didn't realize it when I was a kid. But, you know, do you find it was tough to like have an emotional, like a, a mother-son connection when your mom is like such a, has to be such a bravado, you know what I'm saying, kind of? I grew up without a dad. I had a stepdad. My mom was tough. Yeah. My mom was very tough. In, in today's world, it would be light abuse. But I'm thankful. Yeah, same. I'm thankful for everything she did because my mom prepared me for the world. Today, I'm not raising my daughter. I'm preparing my daughter just in case something happens to me. Mm. My mom did a great job, but she left a lot of gaps, and that's where the damage came in. Right. So what I did differently is I write all the damage down. I write for my daughter. So I write every couple of days what I'm feeling, what my thoughts are, kind of like Jack's Teller on Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. So if something does happen to she, you, she knows what's going on. She has all the fucking answers. She'll oh, never, like she'll know the truth. You know, I don't tell my daughter I'm a comedian. I don't show her because if not, she's gonna want to be a fucking comic in front of the stage. Right. Don't tell them. I don't even like the, the pre-K teacher the other day said, "Have your daddy help you write it, but it's got to be clean." I don't want that shit. Don't tell her because it's going to be all right for her to be the class clown. Right. I don't want her to be the class yeah. clown. My mom, dog, made me fight. 
my mom brought a girl home for me the first time. What the fuck? Till this day, I can Damn. look you guys both in the eye, and I don't even know if I fucked. Yeah. I think I passed out from fear. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I came on a girl once and just fucking, and then lied about it. Made her. Then I got so scared, I fucking left out of my own window in my room. I was too embarrassed to walk through my own fucking house. It was a party at my house. And I just fucking left, bro. And there's all these people just driving silently up and down the street, fucking singing in their cars. And I'm like, this is a fucking crazy world, man. Do I sound like I got a little bit of flavor up in my throat? Well, I just might. Because that's because that's I'm having a couple little handfuls, of little, little pawfuls of that lakeside maple. Mm-hmm. Daddy got the hitter right there. Lakeside Maple specializes in trail mix baked with PMS, pure maple syrup. That's right. Original spicy and ginger chai are the three different flavors. My favorite is the original. All of their mixes are made by hand, and they are fans of this podcast. So get in there and try out the best trail mix that everyone thinks is granola, but it's not. It's trail mix. Also, try that new TMB, that trail mix butter, baby. Go to lakesidemaple.com and use code Theo, T-H-E-O, at checkout for 15% off. That's promo code Theo at checkout for 15% off. Lakeside Maple, get that mix. Lakesidemaple.com, use code Theo. I'm about to have me another little pawful. Mm. The Legend Collection just dropped, and you can see one just landed right on my head. This is a hood hat, and these hats are specific, man. You want a hat now that represents your block, your field, your alley, your neighborhood, you know, and that's what these are. This one says Death Valley from Clemson, Clemson, and that is uh, with the Clemson colors, that, that, that orange and that purple. You can get Death Valley for LSU as well. You can get Jordan Hare. For you Auburn Tiger fans, Davis Wade. The hat says Davis Wade from Mississippi State. They got one that just says Blacksburg for Vitek. Big House for Michigan. The Horseshoe for Ohio State. And the Grove for Ole Miss. And these things are swaggy. These things are swaggy. These are the ones that, you know, you know these swaggy hitters want to be wearing. So you can go to uh, hoodhatusa.com and use promo code HOODUSA for 20% off. That's hoodhat.com. Use promo code HOOD. USA for 20% off or follow them on Instagram at HoodHatUSA. Get that hat up. It's a fucking crazy world, man. And what we do, like think of the world our head lives in. Have you ever thought of what we do? Have you ever gone to an open mic and seen a bunch of guys that are in it for four years and it takes you right back to it and going like, damn, what made me stick with this? Yeah with this abuse at the four-year mark. You're not really a feature. You're starting to MC. Your home club hates you. Your <laughs> friends go to Montreal. You're not going oh, to Oh, that's Mon- the worst. You know, it's all these emotions that most people can't hang. Most pe- Listen, I've been here 27 years. I've seen a ton, ton of people come, and I've seen a ton of people go. I've seen people that I've gone to gigs with that have conversations, they love comedy, that this is what they do. And a year later, I go to a commercial audition, and there they are in there with a camera going, well, you know, it was a little on the tough side. And you're like, what are you talking about? We just did a gig together, and you were telling me how. Yeah. This is what I do. This is what we do. Yeah, it chooses you after a while. I think this sport, too, like comedy just chooses you. Like, um, 
I don't even know. Like, I don't even feel when I get up any, in the, on the stage anymore like I'm trying to make them laugh. I just feel like this is what I have to do to get through the day or the week. It's just like part of the week. It's just, it's almost like getting out of bed and making coffee or something. Like, I used to feel up there like I was in this moment where like, okay, I got to, let's see how this works and let's see how this works. And now I feel like I can finally just kind of be up there. You know, did you start to notice that as you got, as you got along in it? Like, you can just kind of, the, the goal in the end is almost just to kind of get, get to the way you are in front of your friends. Like, you joke around in front of your friends, but when you get on stage, it's this different pressure. But eventually, it all comes all the way back around where the whole crowd just feels like you're in front of your friends. You I know what I'm saying? I want just think of this word, of words, I'm sorry. The journey of emotion. How long have you been doing comedy for? Fifteen. So in those 15 years, I want you to think where your emotions were before you went on stage when you started, mm. where your emotions were when you get on stage now. It's fucking two different fucking worlds. Yeah. Now, three months ago, <laughs> I could look you both in the face when you came to see me in Vegas. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, motherfuckers, I was damaged goods. Yeah. Because it happens. This is the human brain. And sometimes our brain gets fucking fried in oh, between yeah. everything, not to mention the reefer, not to mention being a father, <laughs> not to mention a thousand variables. But guess what? Motherfucker, I'm back now. Yeah. Comedy-wise, I'm back because I got lost. I watched John Mulaney, and I thought I wanted to be John Mulaney, who's a great fucking comic. Yeah. Great writer. But guess what? I'll never be John Mulaney, and I'll never be Theo Vaughn. Yeah. And guess what's even better? Theo Vaughn will never be John Mulaney. He'll never be Joe Diaz. Why? Because he's fucking Theo Vaughn. Yeah. And Joe Diaz is Joe <laughs> Diaz. And you know what? Once I put that together, like, I'm brand new again. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm 20 fucking eight now when I go on stage. Like, now you got a fucking problem. Last night, I ate up that main room. You're yeah. in the room, I got my ass kicked. You know what I'm saying? You can't, you can't win every fight. You know what I'm saying? The main room, I fucking came out there last night. If I would have had a Xanax at yeah. the seven-minute mark, I would have had to take it. Because I could feel <laughs> my heart ready to jump out of my chest. And that's what comedy is all about. Yeah. When you still feel that in your balls, that's what it's all about. For months, I wasn't feeling it. The business part got to me. Yeah, the business, the business part's business scary. The business part sucks dick. The, 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 the fucking numbers and this and that and the tickets. You know what? I don't give a fuck. You don't want to come see me? Don't fucking come see me. I'm still going to do what I do on stage. I'm going to be crazier than ever. Crazier than ever. I don't give a fuck about society or how fucking what you can say and what yeah. you can't say. That's got nothing to do with me, bro. I'm a comic, and I'm sick and fucking tired of what's going on. No more safety net. Yeah. You know, I was making excuses up to you. I'm not going to the comedy store no more because I can't work out new material. Too bad. Work it out at the comedy store. Work it out. If you bomb, you bomb. Yeah. That's what Mitchie Shaw intended that place to be. But in my head, I'm like, well, they pay $25. I can't bomb. Fuck you. Fuck you. I got to take a chance on a fucking tightrope. If not, I just become a comedic robot. And that's what I was becoming. Uh. A comedic, scared robot. No, man. No. No more. If I'm in the middle of a bit and I think of something that happened, I'm dropping it. And if I forget the bit, so be it. So be it. I'm going where my mind takes me now. My balls are connected to my heart, are connected to my brains, yeah. and that's it from now on. <laughs> I'm 55. What do I got? Five, six years left to do comedy <laughs> before you're too old and ugly to get on stage and people are like, Joey, let it go. You know Dude, what I'm saying? My mom will drive you to fucking gigs for oh, the rest of your life. Right? I am you know so over comedy now. Like the Netflix special, all that stuff was like, I shed like this snake skin. Like, yeah. I'm like, 
I'm done. There is this skin that comes in with the industry that it's yes, like, it's, it's not cool for guys like us. No, 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 thing. no, no. It's not your thing. Don't fucking tell me what to say. Don't tell me not to what to, not to fucking say. Number two, I went, bro, and I went and I bought every piece over the year, I, uh, the last couple of years, you know, with the podcast, we have great families that we've developed. Oh, yeah. They man. know my love for comedy. So people started bringing me albums, Bob Newhart albums. Oh, wow. And fucking Lenny Bruce live from Carnegie Hall and fucking they brought me all the Richard Pryor albums, the good one, Bicentennial Nigger, and it good wasn't one. something I said or, you know, the nigger's crazy. Those are raw Richard Pryor. Wow. And I forced myself to put them back on turntable. Fuck, fuck videos. Yeah. Fuck watching fucking specials anymore. Think about it in your head. Put it on video. Look how they did it. They would do a tour and tape the bit the best way it came out. You could hear the bit end, and then it start all over again. So the albums were brilliant. Yeah. Why aren't we doing that? Yeah. Why aren't we doing that? I don't want a special ever again. Yeah. Ever again do I want to shoot a special. You know, it's a, From it, now on, it's just out. Yeah. I want you to listen. I want them to hear the glasses. I want them to hear the fucking breathing. I want them. That's what comedy is to me. Yeah. The specials, they forgot how to shoot them. Oh, 100%. They forgot how to shoot them. Go look at Lenny Bruce. Everybody tries to be avant-garde now. They're showing you the audience. They want to show you fire. They just show the stand-up from the waist to the head doing stand-up. Yeah. Don't show me the fucking audience. Because I, like, I watched somebody special. He was bombing. The audience was la- wasn't laughing. Yeah. And you could hear like this laughter. If you laugh, you go like this. You move back and forth when you laugh. This audience was stiffer than fuck. Yeah. And you can hear the laugh track. You know, Netflix is about to drop, what, 47 new specials? That means nobody's going to get to watch them. We're all going to be caught in a mess. Yeah, what are we going to do? It's almost like Netflix doesn't even care if people watch them. It's just that they want to say that they own it. You know what I'm saying? It's In a weird way, a lot of networks have become like, and I'm not likening this to slavery at all, but they've become that's what it's almost about. It's like, how can I own a piece of this person as opposed to like, how can I push this art? You know, like I find that with some spec, it's just like, um, I don't know. It just, sometimes I'm like, I, I want to be freer than that. You know, I want to be freer than that. And like, you know, I, I mean, I feel so fortunate, like, you know, just to be like, even, you know, fighter and the kid guys and, you know, to be able to be friends with guys like you and and Joe and um and you know just becoming better friends with some of these guys, where it's like I feel like we're in this free space, you know. It's like we don't have to, dude. I hated for years, man. I, I used to not be able to be myself in this town, man. And it made me feel like where I, you know there was something here that made me feel like where I would like I had to like try and act like the second best friend on a sitcom or something. And it was just, man, I just hated it, and I hated fuck just, you and the fucking horse. You know what the best thing somebody says to you is, "Be yourself." Yeah, and we never understand what that is. What's "be myself" mean? Exactly what I just told you. Yeah, you just said it. You the goal of comedy is to appear to them like you're talking to your friends. Yes. When I talk to my friends, what do I talk and about? And they love it. Do I talk about intelligent stuff? Do I try to make believe I'm intelligent? <laughs> no. no. I talk about the filthiest, whatever the fuck is on my mind. You it's talk racist. about whatever. Some shit is racist. I'm not racist. Yeah, but some shit you got to say it with color, or if not, it's not gonna fucking come the fuck out right. Yeah, you know some shit. We're living in this. Don't come to the show. Yeah, you know what, man? When I came here 20 years ago, I really, really, really wanted to be on TV. We all do. Mm-hmm. But now, after you do this, and we have this freedom, 
Really? Yeah. You want to go work at CBS and have somebody come up to you and go, excuse me, but the word is the instead of and? Yeah. Does it make a difference? Yeah. Ain't nobody watching this shitty fucking show anyway. Yeah. Does it make a difference whether <laughs> I say and or the? They pay some lady to come up to you and tell you, oh, the word is car. Instead of, Who gives a fuck? <laughs> Who gives a fuck? Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's ridiculous. It's very, you know, that's why I always looked at comics early on. Mm. When in the seven and eighties and nineties, a lot of comics ended up in rehab that were on TV. Yeah, you're fighting it with yourself. As a comic, a real comic should have a hard time on network TV. Yes. Well, they, they, I mean, I just had a, a meet at a lunch with an executive the other day. He's a friend of mine, and we were talking about that. I said, well, y'all get so many fucking writers and give them these shows. These people aren't entertainers. Like, I wouldn't watch half these fucking, you know, they're not even real. They're just writers. Like, why do y'all keep putting writers in front of camp? Like, I'd rather watch, you know, like that girl Punky Johnson that works at the comedy store? Black girl in the kitchen with the long dreads, yeah, yeah, hardcore yeah, 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 fucking yeah, yeah, lesbian, yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I love so, her, Oh, yeah, 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 she's yeah. so lesbian. Two years, she's going to fucking just sprout a cock. You know what I'm saying? She's ready to party, you know? But I would watch her. She's only been doing comedy maybe five or six years, right? She's from Louisiana. I'd watch her more than I'd watch some fucking writer. And just because she's at least a, you know, I just use her as an example, but she's just a, per, she's a thing, you know? She's entertaining. It's like, like, that's one thing I like about Sebastian. Like, at least Sebastian's fucking entertaining, you know? Like, Sebastian's very entertaining. He's a, he, you and watch him and, and you see a show. And that's what I try to do from time to time. Oh, yeah. No, I my think you wife, do a great job. My wife it. calls it when I become white. Yeah. When I try to become a writer. Yeah. When I try to write jokes like, like all the great writers, that's where I fail. They don't, that ain't us. They, that ain't us. They want us to go up there and be what's in our hearts, what's in our soul. And you know what? Half of it you're not gonna agree with. Yeah. But that's what comedy is about. I, I'm comedy is my how my world collides with the real world. Mm. That's what should come out of your mouth. What's going on in the real world and what's going on in my world? Like when your mind, those poor Filipinos, poor Thai kids were in there stuck. In my mind, that coach is Sandusky. He was gonna take him to the cave, <laughs> fuck him in the ass and kill oh, that motherfuckers. Damn. He was gonna figure out what to do with the bicycles. He didn't he hadn't planned that yet. <laughs> But he was a killer. He's trying to figure out how to, how to hide 30 yeah. bird scooters. Yeah. He took, well, he took the apostles down to a cave. What are you, what, what you going to look at a cave? What's in a cave? A bat. He was going to fuck those kids. It took Marines to get him out of there. He, he, he was going to fuck those kids and leave them down there. 2,000 years from now, some fucking guy was going to find 12 little fucking Thai kids, skeletons, with all their assholes fucked up. Yeah, in a Penn State University, Penn State University hieroglyphics on Sandusky the wall. Sandusky Jr. and shit. That's fucked up. Like, that's what we see. That's what comedy is. Right. So stop letting comedy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The political circle. It's not a, funny. It's not funny. It's dead. It's dead. It's a com. If you go up there with a political joke, I don't want to hear you no more. Because no. that's the first thing I see on the news the first 10 minutes. Yeah. And it's just, Americans are sick of it. It's hatred. It's, hatred. it's pure <laughs> hatred. I don't want to be a part of that at all. I don't either. At all. I don't want to be a part. I'm so happy I'm a felon. Yeah. I can't tell you how happy I'm a felon. I'm not responsible for none of this shit. I will never vote. I don't want to be responsible. I'm a half that's a felon. hilarious. I got a gun. Yeah. I got a couple <laughs> guns hidden. I got one at the comedy store. I just planted one at the comedy oh, store. Oh, I love that. Oh, in case things get dangerous. <laughs> that used to be my, I used to just get, you've got to go to any, every people, we have gun control. I get your gun in 10 minutes. I go down to any handball court. Yeah. You look for a little guy that looks Puerto Rican and Jewish, you call him over. He's got a twenty two that don't miss. And you, he'll buy it back after you kill him, motherfucker. He's like a walking pawn shop. Tell him what you did to true. Listen, I shot three guys with this. 
They didn't miss. I shot one guy in the head. He'll buy it right back. What, what'd you pay? What'd you give me? Fifty? I'll give you forty-eight for it. Yeah. And he'll take the gun back, and you just can't get caught with that gun. You'll be charged with eighteen murders. I got that gun in a baggie behind the fucking counter. I got a gun with a silencer. Oh, I love hidden that. in my own building, an old school silencer. Yeah. I got to go grease it from time to time to fucking make sure. Dude, I want to hide some guns, bro. That's a great idea. I started idea. buying some hot guns and just started fucking hiding I them. I love that. Just in case people get fucking froggy at the store. You need a couple of them. I'm trying to get... Oh, my God. I watched that fucking thing, the Ananani, about the making of Scarface. Mm, I have Oh, shit. And how the, that scene with the end took three weeks. First of all, when they got there, the set went on fire. Like, they had the worst luck in the world with that movie. Really? It was supposed to be a two-month shoot, and it ended up being a 10-month shoot. Where'd they shoot it at? They shot half in Miami, mm -hmm. then the Cubans threw them out. Then they finished it up here by the 405. Wow. Like the mother's house is by the airport and all that shit. The the tent city yeah. is where for the 405 by where they shot heat. That's tent city. But they were they shot the last scene and they that machine gun he had mm -hmm. is like something like a fucking monster. Mm -hmm. So they had to figure out how to get the gunfire to come up on the screen, mm -hmm. and they showed all that shit. But the, what they didn't tell you is that the the rounds were hot. And one time, Al Pacino fell on the rounds, and it burned his leg mm -hmm. to the third degree burn. So they had to cancel the movie again for two weeks. They had to shoot all the out the Colombians getting shot. Wow, fucking brilliant shit. Yeah. Then they got an X rating. Oh, and they said they couldn't put it in theaters. Couldn't put it in theaters. And then they had to fight the X-rating. And then they released the movie as a Christmas movie. No. Scarface came out. Can you check and see what was the release Bells date? The actual People would go into the movies and going, that ain't a fucking Christmas movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like Rudolph's been doing coke, bro. Fucking Blitzen just bought an eight ball. Dude, so, you remember the little guy that's a comedian that was in there? December 9th, 1983. Jesus. And I remember Can you imagine that, that I saw the commercial. I was living in Aspen. And it, it didn't reach up there. Like it had gotten, like they were talking. Al Pacino said that when at the, the, the premiere mm -hmm. for the critics, mm -hmm. that they started walking out at the 30 minute mark, like in chunks. And he just kept sinking in his chair from the embarrassment. Like he how, thought it was going to bomb? Yeah, it was a bomb. Like People were like fucking attacking him, Brian De Palma, Universal, saying it was the worst thing they've ever seen in their life. The hottest show is Dynasty or something. Oh, wow. And I she, can see that. She, she, she showed up. Oh, really? Victoria, whatever, the real pretty older yeah. woman. And they interviewed her. They said, what did you think of the movie? And she goes, well, it, I, I left at the 100th fuck. Wow. I think 100 fucks is enough for a person in a lifetime. There was 4,400 fucks. In that movie. Oh, my God. They counted them 4,400 fucks. They could play that at a wedding, I feel and like. And then what happened was the movie bombed, but the VCR, it came out in February, and it just blew up blew the up. movie. And now the movie's in the top 10 all-time sales. Even though the movie ate a bag of dicks in the fucking box theater, mm -hmm. the box office, once it hit DVR, it just, I still remember... Going to a friend of mine's house. Did you see the theater on the DVR for on VCR first? Brother, I the movie came out December 9th, 83. I was living in Aspen. I got off the plane February 1st, 1984. And as I got into my buddy's car, he looked at me and he goes, Have you seen Scarface yet? And I go, No. 
I saw the commercial. We went right to this movie theater in Secaucus called Harmon Cove. Mm -hmm. Right there. Right by Newark Airport. Like 20 minutes from Newark. Wow. I didn't go home. I didn't unload. It was the matinee. It was like the 2 o'clock movie. Wow. And we couldn't even sit together. It was sold out. We couldn't even sit together. It was that sold out. And at that time, it was picking up momentum. It was February, and it started picking up momentum. And then I went, uh, it, it just, it, when it came out of VCR, I still remember, like, Theo, you would call me and go, come over Friday. We're picking up four eight balls. I'm going to have a case of booze. And wow. we would sit there from Friday night at 11 after Miami Vice. Mm -hmm. We would go out after Miami Vice and then go back to your house at about two or three broads. And we would snort coke and watch Scarface and Godfather 2 the whole weekend. Damn. And just what? And every time they do a line, we do a line. Wow! Like that type of shit. Like just shit is making my dick wet. Oh bro. yeah, those are the good old days. But you can't do that shit no more. Can't Thank do God. It. Thank God. Look, your life has changed. Yeah, You're a completely different person. You don't have the social issues you had anymore. That's true. It was all the drugs. See, now I have the social anxiety. I get the social anxiety when I go to the store. But it's been a lot better lately. Has it been? Yeah. Do you um, when you think about uh, oh, there's one, there was one thing I was just oh, do you remember Angel Salazar? Did you ever work with him? All the time. One of my idols. One of the guys that helped me the most. I bumped into Angel. And Angel Salazar. For people who don't know he was uh, Chi Chi. Yeah, Chi Chi in Scarface. Scarface. Pacino met him at the the thing. Uh, 1993. I'm a struggling comic. I'm confused about comedy. I don't know nothing about comedy. I'm just telling people I'm a comedian. <laughs> I'm getting up on stage. I'm just dying, bombing dicks. And I go into Hell's Kitchen to cop a bag of Coke because mm -hmm. I, uh, I was working on 57th and like 12th Avenue. I was selling cars at a, at a Jeep place. Okay. And I would from there, I would walk through Hell's Kitchen and go to Port Authority. And one day, it's like July of 93, and I'm walking through Hell's Kitchen, and who do I see in front of a building but Angel Salazar? Wow. And at this time, I knew he was a stand-up. I mm -hmm. knew he was a comedy store guy. And he'd been in Scarface. I had, he had been in Scarface, and, I, and he was Cuban. Yeah. And I went up to him, and I go, I'm Cuban. I want to be a comic. And he shook my hand, and he took the time to be my friend, and he gave me a, a fly to come see his show. And I went, and I was blown away. And then he got me an audition for an improv troupe at uh, the Copacabana, and I just ate a bag. I remember paying like $15 to oh. park, and I had like 13 and quarters and going in there, and they like, give us three impersonations, and me like making believe I'm a Two of them were yourself. Oh, like, oh, I, I was just horrible. I had no idea. And <laughs> I would call him and ask him for advice from mm -hmm. time to time, and he would give me a little advice from time to time. Then I started working with him, and he is one of the all-time pissers. I mean, he is really a cocaine savage. Cowboy, yeah. He's one of the only people that went on the church and did a package in front of Lee, and Lee's face turned fucking red. Wow. Like, that's the only way I can get him on the podcast. If I got him, I, I, we came to town. He was staying with Stephen Bauer, mm -hmm. uh, Manolo in Scarface. Oh, yeah. He stays with him when he comes to town, and wow. it's right by the office. They're right by the office. You know, when you come to my podcast, yeah. you could throw a rock to where Stephen Bauer lives. Wow. So I had the only way I saw Angel at the store, and he's like, put me in your podcast, bro. 
So I kept calling him. He's hard to wake up in the morning. Yeah, you know? yeah. So we had to do it like at 10 o'clock at night. And I had to get Coke from like an old Coke dealer that I knew was fucking. Coke from the 70s. Yeah. Some good and, stuff. And that's how I got him in there. And he would go off camera and do little bumps. And Lee kept looking at me like, like Lee, that's, that was like Lee's second year in the, on the, in the podcast business. But the funniest, I, I mean, I have a thousand angel stories. Yeah. I mean, we used to work in El Paso, bro. I can't even Dealers imagine. would knock on the door. Everybody wants to give that guy a blow. It is hilarious. Do you think that part of that kind of like, like sometimes you live, you have to, you become a role. You oh, no, no. He'll, he'll tell you. It's it's crazy. He's right. gotten laid from it. I mean, he's. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's never stopped. One of the funniest stories I ever heard was he did Rochester a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And he In sells out. Yeah, the Rochester. Yeah, I love it up there. That club. He I love Rochester, bro. That little walk. That, Brother Wee's up yeah, there, yeah, the radio. Brother Wee's. Dude, Brother I love Wee's is the best. Dude. Brother Wee's is the best. And he uh, he did the early show Saturday, and then he told them that he was going to take a nap in between shows. Mm-hmm. And they knocked on the door, nothing. They knocked, nothing. They kicked the door down. Angel's passed out. He's bleeding from his nose. They get him up. They finally gave him coffee, and he went up there, and he bombed. And then he passed out again. They put him in his, in his car and left him there. <laughs> and he kept saying f- that they roofied me, man. <laughs> <laughs> hello. His opening line is, hello, where's my Spanish people? Where is my Colombian? No, he, he always go, where's my Puerto Ricans? Where's my Dominicans? Where's my Colombians? I want to talk to you later. Once they said they raised their hand, they're Colombians, he'd say, I want to talk to you later. Bro, we used to get fucked up. The rumor is he don't even sleep. He just hangs in his closet oh, yeah. upside down. <laughs> On the road, when he comes in, like we would work out passing together. Yeah. First thing he does is he shuts all the windows, oh, that's puts aluminum foil on the glass. You know, I mean, he means business. Damn. And he'll go all five nights. Like, I haven't worked with him now. It's got to be 12 years. That's a haul. Dude, the thing I hated about doing drugs, man, you know what's so funny is last night, man, I, you know, my thing now sometimes if I get lonely by myself and stuff, I'm by myself, I'll end up watching pornography or something, you know, and I'll shut the blinds and shit because I ain't jerking off with the fucking blinds open, you know. Like some kind of, you know, like a fucking camp counselor. You know what I'm saying, bro? So I closed shop up. But then this morning I got up and, you know, and the lights coming against the blinds. And it reminded me of all those times I wake up if I was high on cocaine. Because you've been up all night. So you wake up, it's like fucking noon and the blinds are closed and the fucking lights just like. And just, I hated that, man. I hated waking up with my blinds. I like to have my blinds in my living room and stuff open now. So it's like I wake up, the day's right there, meeting me in the living room. You know, it's like I hated those days when everything was like you were hiding all day, you know, begging people for Gatorade on the internet, bring over some Gatorade. It's like I don't even how, fucking know you. Trying to meet bitches on Tinder just to get them to bring Gatorade over, bro. It's crazy how cocaine and comedy could go hand in hand, you know. And I'm doing comedy 27 years, 28 years. I haven't done coke in 11 years this year. That meant for 17 years, it felt like I cheated on comedy. Yeah. It was the weirdest thing because I would never do it before I went on stage. Mm-mm. But it would be in my pocket, burning a hole yeah. in my pocket. And I would go right from the original room. People would be, hey, great set. Yeah, good, right. I would go right to the bathroom. Me too. And do two bumps. Then, then it'd be all okay. Yeah. If I had another spot, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I would do it. I would have that coke. 
that Coke had to be in my pocket at 8 o'clock while I would fall apart at the seams. Yeah. And I would put it in my little drug pocket. Yeah. And it would stay there unbothered in a little baggy waterproof in case the fucking rain came. In case the floods came, in case yeah. something got biblical, yeah. you could still break out of fucking... Yeah, I still, in case Louisiana all over again, <laughs> yeah. I'm on a tire floating, waving at the airport. <laughs> yeah. Fucking, I'm here, cocksuckers. Dude, how great would that be? You're on the news, they're like showing you, and you're just down there doing coke, and they're fucking waving at the helicopters. <laughs> Like, how many videos are there of the news during Katrina where there's just a bunch of brothers just blowing a fucking blunt and they fucking couldn't put it on? And just yelling up, you can't stop me, bitches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck would even have a blunt? That was terrible. And it's going to happen again. Yeah. You know, like this year, it's gonna, the storms are getting stronger and fucking stronger every well, year. Well, I think Mother Nature doesn't like some of the stuff that we got going on sometimes. I don't think she likes some of the energy. And look, she's a fucking tough lady. She's a hardworking woman, man. She'll correct it when she needs to, you know. Um, it's wild, bro. You know, but yeah, I'm so grateful for you, man. For you know, and some of you know, I just appreciate you always being cool with me, man, and being supportive, bro. How can I not? I, you know, my father's from Nicaragua. You know that? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. That's why he had you at 74. Them spicks don't never stop fucking. They <laughs> don't give a fuck. They'll fuck on Social Security <laughs> and everything. Spanish people don't fuck on Social Security. They don't give a fuck. Listen, we get one twenty-eight a month. We'll make it work. You know what I'm saying? I'll take care of them. Dude, what if one day? What if I could learn Spanish? Okay. Okay. And maybe five, eight years from now, we did like a Central American tour, like a fundraiser or something down there. Would you do it? You think? Well, I got no passport. I'm oh yeah. To get one. I you don't can't, want to stir huh? the fucking pot, man. I got a lot of skeletons in that closet. Oh yeah. And that passport closet, there's a lot of skeletons. Why get Trump pissed off at anybody? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's true. I got in. I'm good. I don't need to go anywhere. That's great. You want to go to fucking England? That's great. I can't do shit, but it's good that you learn Spanish anyway. Yeah, I want to learn. Good it. that you learn a language. Anyway. My dad used to talk it all the time when I was young. Man, I loved hearing him talk it. Listen, man, the only language that don't help you is fucking Latin. But you yeah. take Latin if you're a genius. If you're gonna be like an engineer or something like that. Yeah. But just you know, it's like when you become an attorney. I was telling Rogan. If you go to UCLA tomorrow and go, I want to become an attorney, a lot of your prerequisite is math because they're teaching you how to solve problems. Right. So you're going to go, why am I learning all this fucking math? Well, I'm getting into law. So, yeah, you're a history major, but you're going to have to do a ton of math work because it just adds up to that shit. I don't yeah. even know why, why we got on this. But. No, it's good. I mean, it's, it, it's like, yeah, I think about Latin. Sometimes it helps you just to kind of know words immediately. You know, when I first started out in college, I wanted to do Latin and do all of this shit. And then, like, halfway in, I fucking thought I was going to be, I, was, I got a job as a busboy in Tucson, and I thought I was going to be the best fucking busboy in the world. That was my goal at one point. It's like, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be bussing in fucking London. Bussing tables, like I had these dreams. Like, are you serious? You were bus playing too, son? Yeah, yeah, dude. I used to live. My mom used to live out off of uh, Golf Links, off like on East Pantano, like way out there on the east side, in Tucson, Arizona. Yeah, because I went the to guy college. Kidnapped there. lives in Tucson. Really? Oh, really? He lives in Tucson. Oh, wow. I call him. You know, it's not a guy, Sam Fox. It's not. It's Fox isn't his name, is it? No, 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 no. Vela. Because they had a guy Fox. I used to work for. I could fucking kidnap that dude, but he was also kind of cool too. Tucson used to have one of the craziest comedy rooms of all time. It was called Bugsy's. Yeah? On Tuesday nights, you had to give him a bug to get in. Uh-uh. Yeah. A real bug? A bug. Rudy Moreno <laughs> yeah. used to book the room. If you showed up with a bug, they'll let you in for free. Oh, dude. Oh, my God. The guy that ran the place had to weigh 900 pounds. He had like eight necks, but he had cocaine that would make you go fucking blind. That was all cortisol in his neck from doing coke. It was hilarious. He had the best coke in the world. Was, I love that. It was 150. 
for the night, and there was three comics. We all got paid the same. Mm-hmm. Guess who I remember going down there with, like my second or third time, and he got virginized. Mencia. Fluffy. Really? That's how young Gabriel was. Wow. We took him down there one time, and he came back. He was pale. I was like, man, I got my dick sucked. <laughs> he was like 18, <laughs> hanging out with Uncle Joey and shit. <laughs> That's when Southwest used to have the seats that would face you. Oh, yeah. Remember those? That was so much fun. What happened to that? I'll tell you what happened. I went to Chicago like in 2001, and that's when the the bread strips were out with the THC. Oh, yeah. So they would stick together. And one day I ate a bread strip, and I thought it was one, but it was like nine of them. Mm -hmm. And I got on that plane. That's when they had a direct flight from Chicago to Burbank. Mm. Did you know that one time Mm-mm. Southwest had a sh- uh, no? It was I'm lying to you. It went from Chicago, Burbank to Vegas to Chicago, mm-hmm. so you could work a club on the south side. It wouldn't land at oh, it wouldn't land at the main Chicago airport. It would land Midway. Midway. Yeah. So you could go from Burbank. Uh, what the fuck story was I going to tell you? Southwest. You're going to go there, Gabriel. You said Gabriel. So, you, tell, you took one. You on the you way took back, nine. that could be your next it, special. It, I, I took one. Like, I thought it was nine. It was like <laughs> me, Gabe. I never forget. It was like me, Gabe, Martin Moreno. It had to be like eight comics he brought in for this little festival. Yeah. This club's not even open no more. It was on the south side. Tremendous across from a White Castle mm. next to a Steak and Shake. We used to get fucking stoned. And, and I remember getting on the plane and eating the edible. And it was me, like Martin and Gabriel. And we were sitting across from three like old women. And all of a sudden, the edible started hitting me, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm 380. I'm fucking huge at the time. Really? That must have been miserable. Oh, I had to be 380, Dude, I can't you, you went to jail and you had to live in that body? That's fucking Listen, two cents. No, sentences. no, when I went to jail, I was, in, I was in good shape. Yeah. It was when I, this is like 10 years ago, 15, and I'll never forget taking my shirt off. And the sweat was pouring down me, and these little old ladies were just looking at the floor, and there I am fucking sweating. Another time I went to Delta on a red eye and I took an edible. And like I got so hungry, I ate a pack of cinnamon certs. And that's a mistake, dog. Don't ever eat a pack of cinnamon certs, the whole thing. Cinnamon makes you sweat like a motherfucker. Really? Dog, I started sweating on a plane. There was a little gay guy next to me. Mm-hmm. And he had like little lenses and he was asleep. You know how gay people put <laughs> yeah. those little things on their eyes? I had yeah. to take my shirt off. There I am in first class with the blanket up to my stomach. My tits are out. Yeah. You could feel the beads. <laughs> I remember getting off the plane in Miami the next morning, and my pants were fucking wet. And the waitress, the the, the stewardess, would just walk in the halls, look at me, and give me a water. She knew how (laughs) fucked up I was. Dude, my buddy and his brother used to get so fucked up on coke in Miami, then they'd go up to their hotel room, put on diapers, bro, because they kept shitting themselves, and just go back down to the fucking dance floor. Just partying with diapers full of shit, bro. Just dancing. And they could dance, bro. I mean, these boys could fucking dance. Well, who wants to dance with somebody who smells like shit? But I think they And you start moving, that shit starts shaking. <laughs> oh, dude, look, bro, look, bro. bro, I used to get coked up with a dude. That's what it's like to be, uh, I think, they were Latinos for sure. I used to get coked up with a dude that used to put a string on his wrist. Mm-hmm. And the string would go to the doorknob. So if you tried to open the doorknob, his string... Bro, I used to get high with some crazy people. Yeah. Dude. I used to get high with his brother, who was mm-hmm. bald. Mm-hmm. And his brother would be talking to him. Like, we'd be doing coke. Like, yeah, yeah. And also he'd go. You're like, what? And he'd go. And he'd smack himself because he kept thinking flies were laying no. on his head. He would smack himself 80 fucking times a night. Damn. And we would laugh at every fucking time. <laughs> 
And after he'd smack himself, he'd go. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Bro, he used to put balloons. He lived on the 34th floor. I had another friend, Kurt. He's mm-hmm. dead now. Rest in peace. Good, good dude. He used to get so paranoid that he would put little parachutes on his cocaine. So if the cops came, he would throw it out the window. <laughs> And the little parachutes would fly. I mean, that's the shit that was the 80s, you know? That's God, the 80s was good, bro. Fucking craziness how that shit just took over. Everything you know? was so much fun back then. I feel like I feel like it, there was so much more mystery and intrigue like when I was growing up than there is now. Like now, there's not a lot of ton of room for like even your imagination because everything is, you don't have to wonder anything. There's no, like back in the day, a rumor, like the rumor was one of the most popular forms of like, information you know like i remember rumors was like remember the rumor that richard gig got caught with a mouse in his ass yeah in san francisco like for years like i never like my friend was a surgeon yeah he was on the he cut his ass open yeah but i remember dude i would start shit i remember going on camping trips and we the day we would leave i'd be like you know jay leno died and everybody like no fucking way and we'd be out in the woods for a week and everybody would think that jay leno died and I knew he didn't do it. And we would have these fucking things. And we'd talk, stay up at night talking about, you know, the Tonight Show and shit like that. And then they'd get back and be like, he wasn't dead. And I remember people being like, that's psychotic to do that. Remember when Chuck Liddell was the king of the world? Yeah. Well, one day Eddie Bravo's having dinner with Eddie with, with Dana White. And mm-hmm. you know how Eddie Bravo's a big Fidel Castro fan. Is he really? Yeah. Dude, what? Fidel came and spoke to me one time. I went to Cuba once. Did he really yeah. speak to you? When fucking Fidel died, I call him up and I go, Eddie, do you know Fidel died? He thought I said Liddell. <laughs> he looks at Dana White. He goes, Chuck Liddell's dead. I'll call you back. <laughs> when did you go to Cuba? I, I was a student. We went there and then uh, they had like a big thing at the at the university in Havana. And uh, and then um, Fidel came and spoke to, to our students. Just to our group, it was like five hours. They had this thing we had to listen to so we could hear what was going on. He was an interpreter. That fucking, I think, horse meat in the other room. People in there fucking getting a little bit of cut of horse and they're fucking putting it in their jaw. People are outside just partying and drinking. They served alcohol at it and they had an interpreter, yeah. And he just basically just told us how great, basically a lot of numbers about how good Cuba was, you know. It's like literally for four hours he spoke. Oh, he could. He wouldn't shut up. It was like giving him a line of coke. Yeah. You could never shut that motherfucker up. You know, on Sundays he would hold like these things and he would talk for eight hours about the, the, the numbers of the country. Yeah. What's going on, what's going on in Russia, what's going on in the United States. He was very intelligent. Yeah. You'd have to sit there and, and, and applaud. Yeah. Every, oh really? Yeah. You'd have to sit there and pay attention and applaud. Yeah, the balcony was all cute. Yeah, uh, they'd be watch, they'd be watching you shit to make sure that, you know It was fun, man. We had so much fun in the city, man. We went to a baseball game. Um and what else did we do? We just, oh, I remember we were walking around just hanging out, you know, drinking, you know, Havana Club, you know, or whatever, you know, people. What year was this? This is 2002. Wow. So just walking around and uh, so there's some people hanging out in an alley that are kind of dancing and partying a little bit. So we go over there and we think it's like a family. It's like a birthday cake and stuff. So we're singing, you know, cumpleaños. Everybody's having a nice time. We think, well, we're, you know, we're in a different country. We're celebrating some guy's birthday. Then one of the dudes at the birthday starts eating this lady out, fucking just. And we're like, this ain't. And we're like, oh, these are these are escorts. Like we didn't know. We thought it was like a family. And next thing, we're all dancing with these fucking ladies and shit. We think it's like a grandmother and like a fucking birthday party. <laughs> next thing you know, one of the guys goes down by the lady's waist a little low and fucking just starts eating her pussy right there. And we're like, what the fuck, bro? 
Welcome to Cuba. Yeah, this shit is fucking awesome. I was talking to somebody last week. I went to a party and there was boats and next thing you know there was a girl fucking a guy in the boat. I didn't know what to do. Get in there. Yeah, Jump in or fucking call 911. What the fuck yeah, is wrong get with in you? Yeah. Don't just there. stand there. Don't just stand there. You're going to stand and let somebody get that dick sucked. At least go and put a finger in their ass yeah, and dude. work it. At least cheer for them, you know? My buddy. Um, we got some calls and stuff that came in. Joe, you mind if we jump to a couple of them? We got some calls and questions that came in. Let's hit some of the, uh, yeah, let's hit some fan lines that came in. These are some live raised fan lines that came in. Hey, guys. Luke here. Contact you from Spain. Uh, Joey, how do you reckon Theo would handle himself in the streets of New Jersey when you were growing up? How do you think he'd do? I'm not saying he's a pussy or anything, but he doesn't seem to be dealing with those putters over uh, uh, firing the kid very well. What was the question? He said, how do you think Theo would do in the streets of New Jersey when you were growing up? And you can be honest. Perfectly. Because you had a sense of humor. Oh, wow. You either had to be tough or you had to be funny. I wasn't tough, but I was funny. Yeah. And I could, and I had heart and balls, and I could yeah. steal, so <laughs> they left me alone. I think I could, I could definitely check at least three of those boxes. You can make somebody laugh. Yeah, people love that. People love that shit. Dude, know? that's one of the things that always I feel like acclimated. Like when I, It was easy for me to acclimate sometimes around black culture in my area because... You know, a lot of us were on the same kind of financial level. You know, they had more like generational, you know, deficit, I think, because just, you know, generation after generation of being black in the South is like really very tough. tough. Very just tough. Just tough. Very tough being black anyway. Like when I came from Cuba, I learned about. Did they have black, black people there? In Cuba? Yeah. That's what black people were invented. Oh, wow. You know, I mean, look at half of Cuba. Half of them were my color. Yeah, they got that and more. the other half, they look like Julius Irving. Yeah. <laughs> because they were brought over with the slaves, and then they mixed into the into the culture. You yeah. Know, when, you, when you're Cuban, when you take a DNA test, you're not going to like the results <laughs> if you're white. You're not really going to like the results. <laughs> but I know the results because I, I grew up there. I yeah. know the people. You know, my uncle, my mom was like you, but her brother has kinky hair, and it's like cat blood. Yeah. Like I have two cats and a Siamese. They're brothers. One looks like a Siamese. The other guy looks like a leopard. <laughs> because every eight generations, that leopard blood comes out with the spots and wow. shit. You know, my other sister, my sister, same mother, same father. My sister's dark. Really? Yeah, my sister's dark. Oh, that's dark. beautiful. That's my cool. Cousins, they have the band in Cuba, Emmy and Eki Alfonso. Emmy, the sister, is dark. Eki who's on Anthony Bourdain when he goes to Cuba because he owns a bar, the Factoria, uh -huh. he's light-skinned. So now Cubans are very racist. Are they really? Oh. And is it against the skin tone or is it against? It's against the skin tone. That's wow. why if you watch like, if you ever go on Netflix, there's a show called Celia about mm -hmm. Celia Cruz. Mm -hmm. It's brilliant because it shows you Cuba in the 40s, like when they told her, you're a little too dark to be singing. Wow. And then she started singing, and the guy was like, whoa, whoa, wow. whoa, whoa, wait a second. They're like, we're a little too white Let to us, be listening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting when you watch that show about how the homosexuality, mm -hmm. that shit didn't fly in Cuba. Oh, wow, yeah. But they have the best homos of all oh, time. Oh, that's what they I'm saying. They have the best I gay guys saying. of all time. But it didn't fly. Like, they killed the brother. They, didn't, they never let you know what happened to her brother, but they killed him. Mm. And I know as a kid, I had an uncle that would tell me that if you were gay in Cuba, your parents would take you shark fishing and wow. throw you off the boat. Like it was, Cuba's a rough fucking place. Mm. Like I've met Cubans in Pasadena that I've brought Cuban, Afro, Cuban music to their house and they're like, take it off. Mm. Because they can't they, handle it. They know they have the black blood in them. They don't want to be reminded. Oh, wow. 
Me, I use it to my advantage. Yeah. It's, it's who I am, you know. If it wasn't for Richard Pryor, I wouldn't be here. If it oh, wasn't I love for Julius Pryor. Irving, I wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for Red Fox, I wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for Al Green, I wouldn't be here. You know, these are all part of people who make my comedy up. Right. Straight up gangster, you know. Yeah. Julius Irving is what I drew on stage. I take it to the hoop. We ain't got no time to fuck around. <laughs> We're slam dunking on your fucking ass. I remember you told me there's a great, uh, and I watched it too, there's a great all-star game where him and Pistol Pete played together. Pistol Pete was the best. That was yeah. my dog. That was, that was, when he played black, Yeah. that was the thing. Pistol Pete. Yeah, he was the first white guy to play black. That played black with a white mind, but black dribbling. And yeah. He wasn't fast. I mean, he could, ask him, look up, he, he run the 40 in two days. Yeah. Took him two days to. Yeah, he had to bring floor. lunch. He had to bring lunch, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it didn't matter yeah. because he used black body movements to shake you. Yeah, he had he that shake. Dri- he had a shake and the dribble. There's a scene when he sees Julius Irving and he fakes to Bob McAdoo, and he just flips it behind his back. That was his shit. Yeah. So when that All Star game, they just made a mistake. They put a white dude. They put a black dude that was dressed up as a white dude. Mm-hmm. On the NBA on East team, team, yeah, and he just fucked them up. He just, it, it was his game, you yeah. know. If and, he, and if you watch it, he only had four assists. I read the the, the box score of that, but watch what he was doing that game. Beautiful, Pistol Pete. Was oh yeah, blacking it up. Yeah, that's that black culture. That's half of what I got. I can't. That's why I can never be red. Half of what I do is black. A little bit is Chinese. A little bit of Santeria. Yeah. A little bit is fucking Jewish. I'm a fucking Jeet Kune Do. Oh, you're fucking 9% Halloween. Yeah, bro. I'm 9% <laughs> Halloween. And I do Devil's Night. I hit you with a sock with flour. I don't no, give a fuck, Jack. I'm a Devil's Night type of motherfucker. <laughs> Halloween's for fucking kids. Devil's Night oh, is when gangsters come. You got a fucking full moon in your asshole, bro. Oh, yeah. All day. Devil's Night. <laughs> devil's Night, you're supposed to stab a motherfucker. The next year, you got a badge. That's the that's the original old school. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. The old school was that's when you hit somebody in the head with a pipe. Wow. That had been pissing you off all year. On Halloween? Devil's Night. The yeah. night before Halloween. Oh, the night before. The 30th. Devil's Night. And then you get us some candy. The, the next year, it's like good luck. It's like Chinese. <laughs> it's like the year of the fucking stick. Chinese, bro. Dude, I was just in China. A dude, I saw a dude pick his nose and feed it to a fucking cat, bro. And the cat ate it and it was like, but that's China, you know? China's like the thing, you're walking with your buddy, he dies, you fucking make a soup, a couple people eat, and you fucking cruise. And nobody knows nothing. And nobody knows nothing. And the guy's honored to die and be part How of the soup. How long you stay in China? One week. What'd you think? I loved it, man. You know, but they're like, they're a forward moving place. Like you can't get citizenship there. As a, you know, like nobody's coming into China. Like China's doing, they're ta- they're ready to take over the world, but not in like a fucked up way. Like I don't think they're, it doesn't seem like the people are thinking about it in a military sense. They're just like, we are Chinese. We are proud. You know, we just keep moving forward. You need something built right there. We'll fucking build it. We'll build it a hundred and stories high. You know, it doesn't matter. Like we'll die nine times. We'll be reincarnated. Whatever we got to do to just keep it you moving. Comedy, how many nights of the seven? Keep it moving. Three, three nights and you just went by yourself it was great yeah we went over there and uh they got a group over there called cine 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 productions or whatever promotions dude they do it it's great they f- flew me first class put me up oh bro beautiful places i never even stayed dude some of the motel hotels fucking place is so expensive i couldn't even sleep you know like 600 bucks i'm not fucking i'll stay awake and watch the money go by you know <laughs> at least enjoy to f- walk around the room this thing's 600 a fucking night you know they had uh, like nine light switches in there, dude. It's like a fucking, 
I don't know where I was. It was insane, bro. You could spend 40 minutes just fucking turning on all the lights. It's fucking crazy what we uh, do for a living. Man. It is, man. It gets really interesting. Let's take a, another couple calls if you don't mind. I got a piece. We'll take Joey. one more and we'll get the fuck out of here. You I got, got it. Let's do it. Suggestions I can give my wife. Joey, what's some good advice or some suggestions I can give my wife for her first psychedelic trip? Appreciate it, man. Love you guys. Whoa. Is that guy living in an aquarium? You see that fucking guy right there? First thing for a psychedelic trip is... For his wife. For his wife. Just make it easy for her, but then fuck with her once she's high. Yeah. Oh, wait. I I think you told me a story about this one time. Yeah, when my first wife in San Francisco in 85, we took some Grateful Dead ass and went to a party. I was very nice to her. You said her stepdad was at the airport. I kept telling her, don't you have to pick your father up at the airport? (laughs) And she's like, let's go. And she'd go, what time is he coming in? I mean, I had this poor girl going. Then there was a poster of Bruce Lee on the wall. Oh. And I kept going, looking at Bruce Lee going, don't say nothing to her. <laughs> no, no, come on, bro. Don't, don't, dog, don't say nothing to her. She, she can't handle it. <laughs> oh, come she on. would look at me like, what's he saying? I don't know. Dude. No, don't listen to him. I put that girl, that's the girl that I wrote the letter to. Oh, I bet it is, Because brother. I put her through death. I bet and I remember is, one time, dude. we were living in San Francisco. I was living in the hate Ashbury, and I was just a professional thief in the daytime. I bartended two nights a week at Rock and Robins. Yeah. But there was all these Cuban refugees that sold nickel bags, and I was the interpreter. My job was to go to, uh, uh, to J- J- Japan City, whatever, mm-hmm. and I would pass out traveler's checks. Mm-hmm. So they would bring me stolen traveler's checks. And I was, they couldn't do it because they were Cuban. They didn't know the language. Right. I would take a $50 travel check, pay some $4, and then they give me 46 and change. Oh, wow. That's the old school. And traveler's checks, you can't. You could, it would take a while to come back so around. So what you do with traveler's checks. You go to the bank at $1,000 worth of traveler's checks, go to your hotel room. I'll come over, kick the door down. I take the traveler's checks. I give you five, and then you get another 1000 because they would guarantee they could oh, never ah, be stolen in the old days. Mm. It was a scam to have. So wow. I would go to you. We got, we got 500 today. Let's go buy some traveler's checks. You have to file a police report, but then they'll give you. It was a lot easier in 85 right. than what it is now. Now they probably, you got to go give a finger test and see DNA. And, but back then there was no American Express traveler's checks. Yeah. I so, remember hearing about this on television. But I'll never forget one night, like, we were at this Cuban dude's house. And we were snorting coke, and she was sitting there with me. And this Cuban dude goes, not for nothing, but your wife doesn't say much. I go, she's deaf. Mm. She wasn't deaf. She just didn't speak Spanish. Oh, yeah. So the guy looks at me and goes, he's all coked up. He's like, I don't know if you know this. I work with deaf people in Cuba, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right? So so she's like, I'm like, talk to her in deaf language. And he's like, (laughs) deaf language. And he's doing all these noises and shit. And all of a sudden, she's like looking at me, and I go, she goes, what do I do? And I go, just throw some hang signals and fuck with him. And she's like, and also he looks at me and goes, I never studied that language. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking. What, do you miss anything about your first wife? Like, was there some cool stuff about her? Yes. We were kids. We yeah. Were kids. We were kids. Being kids is fun. We were kids. We were in love, you know. Yeah, that kid love, that young love. It's like 21, kind of, 22, yeah. but it just went somewhere. And uh, she she grew up and I didn't. Mm. That's what happened, if you want to know the truth. Yeah. She grew up and I didn't. And we, I, I wasn't the type of person you wanted to be around back then. Yeah. Know? So 
Yeah, there's little things. I miss the bitch was from Buffalo. Nobody, I love Buffalo. Nobody made a wing like her. Mm. She made wings in a wok, and she made blue cheese dressing from scratch with Corona beer. You never seen nothing like that. And I'd watch Delirious. This is way before stand-up comedy. I'd rent videos and watch shit, and she'd cook those wings, and she'd make fucking thousands of those wings wow. in a fucking wok. She was a great lady, and she we have a great daughter together. You know, I don't talk to her, but she's in my thoughts. God gave me a second chance. Yeah. And that's why I got to get the fuck out of here because I got to go to karate go see, and yeah. Muay Thai and swimming <clears throat> and the whole fucking deal. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy I came down here to see you, man. I fell in love with you a long time ago. And that now I'm happy because my senses were right. I picked three winners. I picked a lot of guys. I picked you. I picked Kate. I picked uh, Dean Delray. You know, you guys are hustlers. You're honest. I could see that comedy store, you know, it lets you see... I've seen a lot of people who fake the funk up there, man. Yeah. You see them. You see yeah. people who fake the funk. You actually see people who go up there that wish we do bad. You watch them in the back of the room. Comedy store has a lot of different angles. It teaches you how to be a lot of things. You know? Yeah. But the thing that you get the most is that the camaraderie you and I have, we couldn't have a better camaraderie if we came out of the same snatch. This is real. Yeah. This is real. I cheer for you. Yeah, same. When you came to see me do the Netflix special, you paid out of your pocket. You cheered for me. Yeah. That's something that people, real comics, a lot of comics, <laughs> I love I love this work. Shh, I'm listening to Theo. You yeah. know, you don't have to say that. You don't have to say that. No, that, that doesn't mean anything. I'm here to say You don't have to say nothing. Yeah. I know who's making the fun. Yeah. And I know who's only going to be there temporary. And I know who's going to be there with me to the end. I know the person who comes up to me and says at the end, bro, that joke was badass. I know he means it. I also know the person that comes up and says, Theo, you were great on I'm dying up here when you walk by the like fucking redneck sack of shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the truth. That, that survives at the comedy store. You were great in that. <laughs> and when you walk by, he's a fucking piece of shit. He probably blew somebody fucking, fucking half a fag. That's the other angle of it. So you have to learn how to deal with all that, be a comic. And remember, be the biggest thing that's, I'm a man. Yeah. Before I became a comic, this, that, a felon. We're men, and we got to act like fucking men. Yeah, I think that's one thing that I, you know, like, that you don't even, you kind of covertly, like, you know, I think you infuse that, like, you know, even just hearing you tell your stories, knowing, you know, recognizing you got a second chance with some stuff, with some family stuff, and, like, you know, I, I, that stuff is, like, you know, low-key, like, inspiring, you know, because... You know, um, yes, you know, for me personally, you know, I live in some of those worlds and I just feel, you know, scared and nervous. But, you know, I do know you do make you always make me feel like I have a friend and that I have somebody that cares. And like, you know, if I'm if I'm friends with you to the end of my life, man, I would be honored, you know. No, this is listen, man, I lost. God took away my family, but he showed me the gift of friendship. Yeah. And the gift of friendship is beautiful. People just misuse it. Yeah. Mishandle it and they don't know how to handle it. Yeah. You have acquaintances and you have friends and you have people you live and breathe for. I breathe for you. I breathe for Lee. I breathe for Kate Quigley. Joe Rogan, I'll stand in front of a bullet. <laughs> Ari Shafir, I will take that bullet from the comedy store and shoot you 12 times. You mess with Ari Shafir. You mess with my Jew, I'll fucking kill you. You mess with Duncan, I'll put a bullet in you. You mess with Eddie, I'll shoot you to death. You, uh. you touch Red Band. 
I will fucking personally send you to Mars. I will call somebody that lights people on fires for a living for five thousand dollars. You touch Fuego that Frankie, baby. People have no idea what it is living for, some breathing for somebody. Yeah. Everything in this Hollywood town is he's amazing. Is that you ain't shit. That's why when when the shit turns, you know, look at now. So so somebody accuses Theo of something, and I gotta hate Theo. No, that's not how it works. I know Theo twenty years. I'm gonna back Theo. Right. If if something happens to me and an agent fires me, and that and I'm with that agency and it hasn't, I would fire that agent. Yeah. Because they don't back their people. Right. That's what we don't have anymore. Yeah. Did he really touch your pussy? Prove it, and I'm still with them. Yeah. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. But we live in a society out here that we don't have nothing. We only have friends as hot as our career gets. Mm. If we get hot, then they talk to you. I don't want you to talk to me. I want you to talk to me when I was broke. Yeah. Those are the people I talked to today. The people that were my friends when I would go up to the comic store and go, Theo, let me $3 so I could get a gram of Coke. I got 17 If you give me 3 I get a 20 <laughs> <laughs> I'd give you three forever, man. I love you. Thank I you love for you too, man. Down here. I wouldn't drive down here for anybody else but you. You know, know that. You know I hate fucking driving. I came down here for you and for your fans and your family. And yeah, we appreciate it, man. We got a lot of young listeners that love you. I got this hat too, man, that a uh, buddy of mine made. It's from a, it's from a, my friend's company called Hood Hats, but they make dope hats, and nobody else has that hat, man. It says... West Hollywood Comedy Store. This is it. That's a, a, one of a kind. Family. Thank you very yeah. much. Um, I love you, man. Thanks for coming on. I love you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I'll see you soon. Now I'm just floating on the breeze And I feel I'm falling like these leaves I must be cornerstone Oh, but when I reach that ground I'll share this peace of mind I found I can feel it in my bones but it's gonna take a little time For me to set that parking brake And let myself all wind Shine that light on me I'll sit and tell you Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jonathan Kite, and welcome to Kite Club, a podcast where I'll be sharing thoughts on things like current events, stand-up stories, and seven ways to pleasure your partner. The answer may shock you. Sometimes I'll interview my friends. Sometimes I won't. And as always, I'll be joined by the voices in my head. You have three new voice messages. A lot of people are talking about Kite Club. I've been talking about Kite Club for so long, longer than anybody else. So great. Hi, sweetheart. Here's a deal. Anyone who doesn't listen to Kite Club is a dodgy bloody wanker. Jermaine. Oh, hi, I'll take a quarter pounder with cheese and a McFlurry. Sorry, sir, but our ice cream machine is broken. <laughs> I think Tom Hanks just butt-dialed me. Anyway, first rule of Kite Club is tell everyone about Kite Club. Second rule of Kite Club is tell everyone about Kite Club. Third rule, like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or watch us on YouTube, yeah? And yes, don't worry, my Brad Pitt impression will get better.